Praise the Lord. May Christ be magnified in us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. My Father, we love you. Our hope and our desire is that Christ be magnified in us. God, open our eyes and and hearts to hear your truth and may the truth be magnified in us because the truth is of Christ our Lord. God, help us this morning to see you, to know you, and to love you. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was younger... For some reason, I watched a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have watched. One of those was an old black and white film of people stumbling around looking for something to eat. And if you remember this, it was a movie called Night of the What? The living dead. But they weren't looking for cheeseburgers. They were looking for people and their brains. Well, that movie was even a little before my time. Come recently, there's been a new zombie show. And it's called what? The Walking Dead, that's probably not new anymore, but it was called The Walking Dead about apocalypse and zombies trying to stay alive. If you go back to the 1980s, you can probably remember one of the most popular pop stars of all time making millions off of a song about the dead coming to life. And it was called what? Yes, it was. In our culture, we have the idea of the dead coming back to life. And while younger kids may believe that that is a reality, as adults, we hopefully never walk into a graveyard Expecting something to come out of the ground. We, we put things into the ground, right? They don't come out. But pop culture got millions and millions of dollars professing the idea that the dead can live again. In the medical field, the dead don't come back to life. In fact, the dead don't feel anything. The dead are dead. And so I ask you the question this morning. The dead are dead. Right? Right? If you have your Bible, I would like to invite you to open up to Ezekiel chapter 36. We are walking through the Bible this this year. And uh, I'm going to present to you. Uh, some of the, the context of Ezekiel 36 and 37. This is a, uh, probably my favorite portion of Ezekiel. Ezekiel has lots of stuff going on, but this section right here, uh, it, it's near to my heart. 
Uh, we have a, a graphic we'll show you that we've walked through and will continue to. The main picture of the Bible, when you are talking to people who don't go to church, who don't know what Christianity is, this is what we can share with them. What is the Bible all about? Well, it's about God created. God created all things. Those things rebelled against him. Specifically, humanity rebelled against God and fell. But God in his great grace, his great mercy, has brought a redemption to humanity to make that relationship right again. The fall severed that relationship. But God has brought redemption to to right that relationship. And in that, he gives us access into the kingdom of God. To live in the kingdom of God. Of God. This is our graphic. We've walked through the Bible and we've seen that many times. Y'all, if y'all have reading the prophets and you haven't read doom and, and broken and, and sin and, and rebellion and all of these things a hundred times, then you haven't read the prophets properly. And we're getting near the end of the prophets. Uh, we get to the place to where we get to Ezekiel speaking to a people. And speaking, finally, a message of hope to a people who have been bombarded and blasted with a message of doom. Now, let me be very clear. Every word of doom coming from Ezekiel's mouth was warranted. It was accurate. It was meaningful. And it was necessary. We as fallen humans and they as fallen humans need to know the truth about God's holiness. And last week we discussed his glory before we will ever begin to comprehend his grace and his redemption. Somebody was going to say amen to that, I think. Unless we understand his holiness and his glory, we will never begin to comprehend what what grace and mercy is. Impossible. In fact, in our sin, we come to expect God's grace and mercy when we don't even deserve it. That's how sinful we are to the core. So Ezekiel brings the message that you have rebelled against God in this way. Idolatry is elevated in your heart. You treat others with contempt and selfishness. Jealousy rules you and your actions. And you need redemption. You need to repent. And this is the same message Jesus brought when he preached. Mind you. Some present Jesus as the uh, nice guy getting children on his lap and more of a Mr. Rogers than a Jesus Christ. Jesus preached that people needed redemption, but he received all who were willing to come to it. Every single one, no matter how fallen, no matter how rebellious or wicked. If you come repenting to Jesus, somebody's going to say amen to that because I think we've got some of those in here who were nasty, but Jesus saved your soul. 
Ezekiel chapter 36, the context is a nation who has been destroyed by a nastier than nasty army of Babylon. One who came in and did not just merely capture, but brought the sword and brought the knife too. They brought everything they had to to decimate a country and a culture. Here's Ezekiel 36. God has a purpose in all of this. This is the first point. God has a purpose in all of this. Let's, let's get into it. Ezekiel 36, 20. But when they came to the nations, wherever they came, they profaned my holy name. Speaking of all the people of Israel, they profaned God's holy name. And that people said of them, these are the people of the Lord. And yet they... And yet they had to go out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which is the house of Israel, had profaned among the nations to which they come. They were so bad, even the surrounding nations thought, this is bad stuff. But God says, I have what? What does he say? In the beginning of verse 21, he had what? Concern. For his holy name. The character of God cares about his name. Hear me. The character of God cares about his name. Because he wants to be the biggest and baddest on the block. Because God knows that if he is accurately proclaimed, he can bring salvation to those who need it. Therefore, verse 22, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake. I'll say that again. Thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I am about to act, but for the sake of what? Help me out, church. Of my holy name, which you have proclaimed, profaned among the nations to which you came. My holy, set-apart, distinct other name. You have taken and drugged through the mud. Verse 23. And I will vindicate the what? The holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations. We talked about this last week. Holiness is otherness, unattainableness, distinctness. God brought them into the promised land to be distinct from every nation around them. All of the idolaters and they became even worse. God says you profane my holy set apart name. And the nations will know that I am the Lord declares the Lord. When through you I vindicate my what? My holiness before there. Do you see a theme here? God is vindicating his holiness. Some people do not care what their car looks like. It can have, I walked out uh, this week and I had bird duty all over my car. All over my car. It's nasty. They profaned my car. 
Do y'all know in, in Plaquemine we got a nice, fancy, new what? A new car wash. Why? Because people care what their car looks like. Y'all, they're everywhere. Baton Rouge, it's in Brulee, it's in Addis. They're all over the place. The car washes. The Lord says, I'm coming in. You have profaned my name. And I am going to make it right. Verse 24. I will take you from the nations and will gather you from all of the countries and bring you into, into your own land. Now, remember that. And I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a help me out church. What's he going to give them a new heart. I'm going to give you a new heart. One that is that is different. Now, what does the heart do? At least in this culture, what what did the heart represent? It wasn't medical and that it pumped blood through our system. What did the heart represent? The desires. The heart was the seat of desires. I'm going to give you a new seat of desires. Remember that. I'm going to give you a new root of desires. And I'm going to put a new what? Spirit within you. What is the spirit? The spirit is what? If we don't have a spirit within us, what what do we have? We're not alive. I will put a new heart in you. I will put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of what? A heart of flesh. One that's alive. You, You see a stone heart? It's not one that's alive. It's one that's hard and cold. And I'm going to give you something that has life in it is what he's saying. I'm going to give you life. Look, Christian, if you're here this morning, can you relate? Christian, can you hear me? Do you relate? Do you remember a heart of stone? A hard heart? That would get mad at the people around you because they didn't do what you wanted them to do. You remember that heart? But God has said, I'm giving you a heart of flesh. One that beats and lives and pumps and is alive in a different way. What an illustration this is. I will remove the heart of stone from you and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. My desires and my life is now a different life. You have been the nastiest of nasty. You have profaned my holy name and I'm going to change you. And I'm going to make your desires not be ones that are self Gratifying, self-centered. I'm going to give you something that is ready to walk in my statutes, ready to be careful to obey my good commands. What a message of hope. Look, if you have come to the place where you recognize how selfish and how self-centered you were in your life, 
and you see the new way of life that you live in now, you can not but rejoice and say, thank you, Lord. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. You shall be my people. I will be your God. Israel, I'm bringing you back to the land. Now, how many years were they? Many of them in different waves were brought out of Israel into Babylon. There were three waves. Daniel was in that first wave. They brought people to Babylon. Ezekiel in that second wave. They brought people to Babylon. And anybody know how many years they were in Babylon? Seventy years. And then God miraculously says, I'm going to bring you back. And and this is where we get to this next chapter, chapter 37. Y'all with me this morning? All right, this is a chapter. You've heard it. In fact, I'm going to give you a little history. The first sermon I preached in this church was Ezekiel 37. Don't know why. Ezekiel 37. And I remember I, I brought a, uh, a box of milk bones. And I shook it up. Because those were, were bones. They were dry bones. I told you that the, the first thought was this. God has a purpose. The second thought is this. How does he accomplish his purpose? His purpose is that his name be honored and revered. Did you you catch that from 36? (coughs) His name be honored and revered. 37 goes into how he's going to do it. All right, dig it. Let's go. 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out of the spirit, out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Now, Let me give you a glimpse of what I think this is. Many of you have seen the movie The Lion King. If you have kids, grandkids, or if you are one of those, you're probably familiar. The Lion King is a, uh, there was a, a season in which everything went sad and broken. And they go into this, what, what's it called? The elephant graveyard? And there's all these bones and they're all just around and it's a scary, dreary place. This is what I see. I I think of Lion King when I see this. He brought me and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them. And so he gets a tour of all of these bones to see. Oh man, this this is bad. There are bones everywhere. And these bones are signifying... What? Death, right? Uh, At one point, on top of the bones was life, flesh, organs, living, moving. But at some point, it, it becomes death. And so there's death in the valley. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. Death was abounding. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh, dry bones, 
Hear the word of the Lord. Belinda's singing a song right now in her head. I know she is. Them bones, them bones, them dry bones. Thus says the Lord God to all these bones. Behold, I will cause ruah. That's Hebrew. Ruah. Behold, I will cause ruah to enter you. And you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, tendons. And I will cause flesh to come upon you. And I will cover you with skin. And I'll put ruah in you. And you shall live. And you shall what? Somebody's following me. And you shall know that I am the Lord. Oh. Do y'all know that God is God? Do y'all, do you know? How many of you know that God is God? And how do you know? All right, so some of you know that God is God. You're in here worshiping, so you know God. Most of you, at least. How do you know? How? Because I told you. Why do you believe me? Because the Bible told you. Why do you believe the Bible? Ruach. It's the Hebrew word for life. Or for breath, for spirit, for wind. Ruah. I will put my spirit in you. I will put my breath in you. Each of you are minutes away from not being alive. All of you. If there were no breath funneling into your lungs... Minutes from now, you would not be alive. I will put my breath in you. And you will live and you will know that I am the Lord. You know, this is a vision that he sees. And, and the context of this is, is clear. The Lord is going to raise his people from death, from the death of Babylonian destruction, raise them up and create an army and bring them back to the land that they might live and know God. That's the the big context of what Ezekiel 37 is all about. But y'all, there's so much more. Because the principle we see here is it is the breath of God that brings life. Hilton tells me every week, unless you're spirit filled, you're nothing. You've got to be filled with the spirit of God, with the breath of God, with the ruah of God. Verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a sound and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh came upon them, and skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. Hmm. Then he said to me, 
Prophesy to the Ruah. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the Ruah. Thus says the Lord God, come, come from the four winds, O Ruah. Breathe on these slain that they may live. You see, the body was together, but there was no breath. There was no breath of God upon them. So therefore, there was no life. Verse 10. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they did what? Help me out. Come on. And they lived. Body parts are body parts unless there's life. And that life comes from God. Y'all, let me, let me draw this out a little bit further. You can be a walking, breathing human being that has no life in you. And some of you know what I'm talking about. I'm about to get there. If there's no breath of God in you, there is no life. So here's a question Are you alive? Are you alive? Have you been made aware? Do you recognize the life? Uh, Let me give you the New Testament picture of what's going on here for Ezekiel 37. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6 says this. And I read this regularly. When we stir these baptismal waters, I read this regularly. This this is not new. But this is death coming. This is dry bones coming to life. Hear the word of God. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into the bone grain yard, into Christ Jesus, were baptized into death? That bone graveyard. We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. We too might walk in newness of what? Of life. Y'all see it? You see it? I was in that bone graveyard y'all. I can tell you. When I was in 7th grade I was at camp. Look, I knew I was dead. I knew it. I knew I was dead. I knew it. When he preached the gospel message and said, those who are in Christ will be saved from God's wrath. I heard it and I said, I am under God's wrath. I know. And in that moment, God breathed life into my soul and I became aware I had heard that a thousand times. But in that moment, there was an awareness of my, the depth of my lostness. And Ruah came into my soul. And the only thing I wanted to do was to become right with God. I wanted to begin to obey his commandments and walk in his statutes and do what was pleasing to him. Ruah flooded my soul. Baptism 
is dead bones. It's a, it's a picture of dead bones coming to life. And so I was baptized. Let me keep reading from Romans. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a what? In a resurrection like his. Oh, okay. You know, we started this message talking about uh, zombies. The dead coming to life. Y'all, that has been proclaimed as a scary, nasty, horror idea. But I want to tell you, that is the most glorious thing we could ever see. Now, maybe you missed that. But the dead coming to life is one of the most beautiful things you'll ever see in your life. Because they're not going to be chasing you down trying to eat your brains. They're going to be looking at you and saying, I believe. I believe something's happened in my soul and I love Jesus. Because what the Bible says is that if we have been united in his death, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection. Because this is what salvation is. There is a death. The sinner dies. That valley of dry bones was dead Israelites. Who were rebellious against God. But he says I'm going to breathe life into them. And bring them back anew that they might worship me. They will know that I am God. And Christian this is you. Your godless self-serving man died. And then God breathed a new life into your soul. And you became a living resurrected life. It's not spooky. It's great. I looked up what resurrection is. Resurrection is literally the return of the dead to life. The Christian hope. This is the Bible dictionary I was reading. The Christian hope is based on the resurrection of Christ. Do you believe that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and three days later rose again? Do you believe that? I'm asking church members, do you believe that? You cannot be a member of this church without believing that and being willing to confess that. We are based on resurrection. Y'all see it. Every time we baptize or join somebody to this church, the question is asked. Christian, do you believe that that Jesus Christ will return one day and that you will be resurrected and be with him for all eternity? Do you believe that? That that's a prerequisite for being in this church. Colossians, I read it earlier, having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith. And the powerful working of God. God raises people from the graveyard and gives them life. We read in our Sunday school class this morning. All those who were appointed unto salvation believed. God spoke. He breathed life into them. I read this. I could read it every week. Ephesians chapter 2. 
and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in in which you once walked. Following the course of the world, living in Israel, rebellious, wicked Israel, hearing about God and ignoring him. Following the prince of the power of the air, following the demonic teachings and leadings of this world. The, the Antichrist teachings, if you will, against Christ. Verse 4. You were doing all these things, but God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead men that do not think, breathe, or move. When we were dead in our trespasses, he did what? Help me out. He made us alive. Yes, he did. Praise the Lord. Let me give you uh, another story. Another narrative in the scripture. It's from John chapter 11. We believe in resurrection. We believe that Jesus Christ has the power to raise from death to life. He did it very publicly in the 11th chapter. Now, we're not going to be able to read the whole 11th chapter. That's some good homework for y'all. If you want to study something, the 11th chapter of John is a powerful chapter. Let me, let me give you a way to remember it. Can I do that? <clears throat> um, in Genesis, they raised a Tower of Babel. Y'all remember that, right? Tower of Babel? Tower of Babel. It's kind of like a tower, kind of like this. So what chapter was that in Genesis? It's chapter 11. Y'all know it, right? It's a tower. Tower of Babel. Well, guess what chapter that Lazarus was raised in? In chapter 11 of John. All right? John chapter 11. Thomas, oh, the dialogue with Thomas is so beautiful. Focus on Thomas too some in John 11. Let me read you portions of this. Now, a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. The village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment, wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister said to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. Lazarus, the man you love, he's ill. Verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death or its end. Got to read it. Its end is not death. English just doesn't quite get it. Its end is not death. It is for the glory of God. So that the Son of God may be what? You know, Ezekiel talks a whole lot about that they may know I am the Lord. And Jesus says it this way. That, they, that the Lord may be glorified. It's the same thing. It's the same story. I want God to be glorified and known. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. This always, that word so always gets me. It says Jesus loved Lazarus, so he stayed away. Why did he stay away? He, we're in the story. We're going, okay, so he's this healer. He goes around healing everybody. And his close friend is very ill. And so they go and tell him, hey, Lazarus, he's very ill. And the Bible says, so Jesus stayed away. 
You're thinking, wait, they told him he was ill, so Jesus stayed away? And the answer is yes. Because he wanted to glorify God. Not by healing Lazarus, by doing what? By raising Lazarus from the dead. Verse 14. He decides, I'm sorry, I'll finish that, uh, Wayne, I'm sorry. Go back to verse 6. So when he heard Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let's go to Judea. After two more days. So he shows up. And then Martha comes out to meet him in verse 14. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad that he was not there so that you may believe this. Let us go to him. Then Martha says to the Lord Jesus in verse 21, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha thinks, oh, he must be talking about the resurrection at the end of the day. Not at the end of like today, but at the end of time, at the end of the age. And so Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection. And the life. I am Ruah. I give life. Do you believe this? And he has her. Do you believe this? No, no, not do you believe in a future resurrection. Do you believe in a man that's looking at you in the face that I'm the resurrection? you're here today we've come to the end of our time together and so I want to ask you about the man that you're looking in the face not me but the man Jesus do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life do you believe not do you go to church not do you believe that there's a God even the demons believe in trouble. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is true life? In so much as that you're willing to do what he said. Where your heart's desire now is to walk in his statutes, to be obedient, to love him. To fulfill the great commandment of loving God and loving neighbor. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe? If the answer is yes, Ruach is in your soul. If the answer is kind of, I think so. Or I'm not ready. And I want to ask you this morning to consider, to consider the grave danger that you are in.
eternal wrath in a place called hell is in store for those who do not know, believe Jesus Christ, who do not love, the Bible says, love him and his appearing. For those of you who are alive, I want to give you this. I want to give you one message of hope from 1 Corinthians. And it says this. 1 Corinthians 15 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Christian, this is for you. At the last trumpet. The trumpet will sound. The dead will be raised imperishable. And we will be changed. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable. The mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up now in victory. The graveyard is no longer. There is only victory. God's ruah has been poured out into your soul. You are alive, forever alive, and to be with him forever. Christian, that is your destiny. That is your destiny forever. So we look forward to that. Let's take a moment and thank God for his salvation. Let's do it together right now. Our Father, we thank you for the ruah, the life, the breath you have poured into our souls. And Father, we come to church because we want to come to church. We want to magnify the name of Jesus Christ, the Savior of our souls The life that is in us. Oh, may Christ be magnified in me. And Father, we thank you. God, we also ask for you to move. Move in the souls. May your spirit breathe life into those we love. May you breathe life into this city. May you breathe life into this parish. God, may you breathe life into this nation. May the message of Jesus be proclaimed. May we be proclaimers. God, may we give of our lives. Because we believe in the kingdom. The kingdom that is here and the kingdom that will come for eternity. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.